Retro Hangover supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCars, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Stunt Still Smash, The Milkman, Katie Quig, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Liguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog, Lunchbox, aka The Disgruntled Gamer, Disguimera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Dave Jackson, Matt, aka Stormageddon, Retro Overdrive, Van Fernal, Keith Gasper, Eric Guess, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, Ryan Player One, Mike the Ref from Backbreaker Gaming, and B Ross from Super Garbage Day. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. and classic gamers welcome to the podcast where we whack wantingly waving wavering willies while whistling wondrous winds this is retro hangover i am your co-host chris copeland with as always your host dick (laughs) your host shane dick Indie nose bone drag. Koski. I was going to include something about like one of the other tricks that are in this game and i couldn't remember it it's something like stink fish i know that's probably not right but that's the only thing that comes to mind i don't know why that would be such an awesome move the stink fish i think that's when you you go up in the air you grab the front of your board you pull down the back of your pants and you just shit yeah that there there it is especially when you have the runs when you have the runs <laughs> okay. And just follows behind you and you have this streak. And I think the best drawing, whoever can make the best drawing with their runny diarrhea, that's the person who wins the contest. Wow, man, we are just we're starting off strong today on this episode. Let me let me tell you what we we always do. Could you imagine someone drawing a cock and balls with their poop? (laughs) I just feel like if they're leaving a trail behind like that, the trick ought to have something to do with a snail, you know? Mm. I want to be there for the Georgia O'Keefe competition. I I don't even want to know what that is. Hopefully I got the right artist there. There's probably going to be some. I know we have some very smart listeners. All of you are very smart, obviously. Are you talking about like Jackson Pollock? No, Georgia O'Keefe. Okay. Look up Georgia O'Keefe. You know, the more times you say that, the weirder the name's getting. Okay. You started with Georgia O'Keefe, and then after the third time, you're like, George O'Keefe. It's George O'Keefe. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about snowboarding today. And pooping. Well, evidently. That's news to me. Snowboarding video games. Yes. That aren't poop. Well, unless Shane thinks they're poop, but we will get to that at the end of the episode. I already kind of gave mine away. How much poop do I think is there or not? Because I did talk about the poop. You did. Maybe we should stop talking about poop. We don't talk about poop enough. Do Really? Do we not? I don't think, I mean, not like poop. We talk about a lot of other things. <laughs> but the actual like fecal matter, mm, yes. I don't think we've gotten to that low level of <laughs> I was just, just about, crassness. Yeah, I was about to say, we, we haven't reached that new low yet. Okay, well, here we are. No, we found it. Right before Christmas. You're welcome. Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, that's like, hey, Mr. Hanky. That's perfect. Ah, yeah, there you go. From South Park. Yeah. Also, I looked it up. It's a stale fish. So I was close. Yes. Stale fish, stank fish. I guess if it's diarrhea, it's not stale. That's nice and fresh. Stank fish just sounds like part of like the name of a Limp Bizkit album, which honestly is like a good. It, that's it's fitting. Yeah, I was about to say that's it's actually pretty apropos given the the time in which this game was released and how just absolutely butt rocking the intro song is. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, we, but first, before we get to the game du jour, which is 1080 snowboarding, we like to talk about what games that we have been playing. So, hey, Shane. Yeah. What games have you been playing lately? Man, what have I been playing lately? I feel like I haven't been playing anything. I don't even know, man. Like, I, why, why am I even on a video game podcast? I, what, what, what am I even doing here? Frankly, not a ton. Like, other than, well, I will say that I actually did, in an unexpected turn of events, get a physical copy of the game du jour. So I have been playing that, of course. Which was surprising that I didn't already have that, but I'll get into that a little bit later. But apart from that, uh, there really hasn't been a whole lot. I actually fired up Left 4 Dead 2 again recently, which I was actually pretty excited about. A buddy of mine just like randomly dropped a message in Discord and was like, so I feel like playing some Left 4 Dead 2. Who wants in? And I was like, hell yeah, because I haven't played that in like, God, I don't know, 10 years at least now. and spoilers it's still a lot of fun that that's probably one of the best multiplayer games i think i've played it's uh it's just really great to just drop in and blast some zombies so uh so i guess fired that up a little bit lately so i guess that counts um other than that it's honestly just been kind of like filling in small segments of my time with just some like mobile gaming i still got the the necromerger going strong Although I did have to restart that one because I swapped phone platforms and unfortunately they do not support platform cross-platform saves. So I actually had to start that one over from scratch. It was a little bit of a bummer, but here we are. And uh, I still got the good old Star Rail going, the the Honkai. And uh, honestly, that's that's pretty much it for right now. I don't know. What about you? What, what do you got going on? All I've been really playing, especially on Twitch streams, not so much this week because I've been preoccupied with other things, mm. not gaming. I haven't been like gaming at all, honestly. <laughs> kind of sucks. But I've been playing, I, I, I'm going to say this like a dirty Frenchman, probably in a horrific accent, but Final Fantasy Renaissance. <laughs> it's uh, the, the game that gives me life and fulfills me with joy. I, I love that game. I'm having such a good time with it. 
it's 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 going to be a contender when we start talking about games of the year when we get to that in January for for all of you listeners out there on one of our flights. Ooh. Don't know when that's going to be. Don't know where it's going to position itself. But Final Fantasy Renaissance is is a fantastic game. I'm I'm going to put this out there again. It's completely free and it is a Final Fantasy game built from the ground up in Unity. It is not a ROM hack. And you can play the original Final Fantasy the way it was supposed to be played because we've talked about this like the original coding was just horrible dog shit yeah yeah the person who created this fixed all those things so that you can play it in that that method uh, they go by the name osmo and yeah just type in your google search bar final fantasy renaissance go to the discord and you can find in the dis- the the download section it's a great time and any lover of final fantasy one should go play this i'm probably going to keep talking about this in this section until i complete it completing saying completing it sounds so so dirty right now i need to donate that word well, say I'm going to donate it and just, you know, use it later for something else. But I think that's all I have to really say about that right now, Shane. Are, are we ready to talk about this game? You know, I, I think I think we might be. So, hey, this game, guess what? Like all other games has a history. I don't believe it. Well, I, I don't either. It's, it's crazy. But I think that the person that should best give the brief history for this game is someone who grew up where there are actually snow and mountains-ish in their life. So, Shane. Yeah. How about you give us a brief history of 1080 snowboarding? Who doesn't like a little powder to brighten up their day? Well... In the late 90s, many people did, as snowboarding was one of the big crazes in extreme sports. Yes, we were definitely talking about snowboarding. At least right before Tony Hawk swooped in and skated off with that top position. But during the time that snowboarding was at the top of the proverbial mountain, video games would, as expected, take advantage of the trend in sports. In 1998, three games would be released for the N64 alone. Of those three, one was spearheaded by Nintendo themselves. Today's game, 1080 Snowboarding. Development began in the spring of 1997, with the game initially being called Vertical Edge Snowboarding. Shigeru Miyamoto wanted to make a skiing game after finishing Wave Race 64, but decided to shift to snowboarding because it was more popular at the moment and he believed one could accomplish different things on a snowboard that could make a game more fun. Miyamoto took the role of producer and recruited Masamichi Abe to direct the game, who had just directed the smash hit Tekken 3. It was co-directed by Michiro Tanako and programmed by Giles Goddard programmer behind Mario's face in Mario 64, and Colin Reed, who programmed the 3D SNES racer Stunt Race FX. Developed in Japan, Reed and Goddard would program the game to try and have semi-realistic impact reactions. The goal was to have each character model react differently, depending on what kind of object the player ran into and how fast the player ran into it. They would accomplish this with motion capture and other techniques known as skinning, 
where character models would be more seamless by eliminating joints between polygons. Ten Eighty Snowboarding was released on February 28, 1998, in Japan, with North America seeing it on April 1st and Europe getting it later on October 9th. Critics gave the game high praise, with many appreciating how the game felt as realistic as possible with a quality physics engine and impressive graphics, focusing in particular on the speed and snow effects. It sold decently well especially for the underperforming N64, totaling roughly 2 million units sold over its lifetime, making it the 23rd best-selling N64 game of all time, and the second best-selling extreme sports game on the system, behind only the game's spiritual predecessor, Wave Race 64. 1080 Snowboarding would get a sequel on GameCube with 1080 Avalanche, as well as receiving re-releases on the Wii and Wii U Virtual Consoles, as well as on NSO with the Nintendo Switch. And that is your brief history of 1080 Snowboarding. All right, thank you, Shane. Uh, while you were doing your brief history, I was getting ready by uh, enjoying some powder. Ah, yeah, there you go. Yes, fresh, fresh supply. Yeah, just go, go full Scarface. Yeah, I, I even was playing with my little friend a bit, but <laughs> that's a discussion for another time. Come see us the on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, some people can get away with it. Why can't we? We we don't monetize, so I think we can get away with anything. I think that's how that works, right? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure yeah. those are the rules. Yeah. Uh, one thing that did interest me about the brief history, something I didn't know, is how closely related 1080 was to Wave Race 64. I'd always thought that this game was an American developed game, just because usually these type of games are. I did not <laughs> I know, saying, and it, everything yeah. about it feels aggressively American. Yes. It, yes, very much so. There. I I did not expect Miyamoto to be involved with this game at all. The fact that he was the lead producer on this kind of kind of blew me away. Yeah, honestly, I'm I I was pretty surprised by that too. I mean there there are some there are some tells here. I guess well quality wise that it's believable, but I don't know. I it's still still playing it. I'm like hmm, Miyamoto. This is this is not a Miyamoto game. But hey, you know what? Continue to surprise me before we really get into those quality aspects of it. Perhaps in the gameplay, I think it's best that we start out here as we are want to do with our personal experiences. I I guess I'll I'll take this one first here, Shane. Okay. And I'll just say, I I never played this. Hmm. I I knew about it. I think everyone knew about it. If you had an N64, you knew about 1080 snowboarding. I I would think. I hope. Well, I'm not going to say I hope. I mean, I don't care if you did or not. <laughs> but it's a vested interest in you knowing about this game. Yeah. I really hope you heard about it, but I no, I don't care. But I, I know I heard about it. Uh, snowboarding was something that was one of those things that was just big in the mid to late 90s. It was extreme sports, especially if you're living up in the north and you want to go pretend you're snowboarding on the hills of Illinois, you know, known for their hills uh, because <laughs> I don't know. It's it was cool, but not because it was cold. OK, I, all right. That was stupid. I, yeah, I know, but yeah, we knew about, I knew about it, but I just never touched it. 
I, I don't know why. And it was well regarded. I knew it was well regarded. I think my my focus was just elsewhere. Again, if you've listened to me on the King of Games 2000, I didn't play Tony Hawk either. So I just don't think those extreme sports games are really up my alley, especially at that time. How about yourself, Shane? Well, you know, it's funny because generally speaking, I'm not much of a sports game fan either. Uh, I, I really as as much as I can appreciate something like like Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 in particular, um, I did play it and and I liked it, but it wasn't something that I was like, oh, man, this is like one of my favorite things. I'm going to play it all the time. Like and, and outside of that, the only other thing I'd really ever touch was honestly hockey games, which is not surprising. But even then, I didn't play too many of them. Like NHL 94 was pretty much the only one I put any significant amount of time into. So. This honestly is actually a little outside of my wheelhouse as well, but for some reason, or maybe a collection of reasons, which we'll get into probably in a little bit, I played the shit out of this game. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah, no, I really did. And the funny thing is, is I never owned it. I probably should have, but I didn't. What ended up happening is my brother and I would rent this game a lot from our uh, local video store and enough times where we probably bought the game multiple times over. So again, you know, whatever we, we're, we're kids. We we're not good with economics, you know, it's fine. Right. Although no. I would have maybe suggested that my parents at some point would have been like, so this is like the fucking 20th time you've rented this game. Maybe we should just fucking buy it, but you know, whatever it's fine. Point is, is we played it a lot and rented it often enough to where we had basically unlocked almost everything um we were actually fortunate i think because we didn't own it we were really playing a pretty risky game in that like this game saves the the records your runs and stuff to the cartridge itself if i'm not mistaken i do not believe it uses the the save pack in the controller so we were really just lucky that no one overwrote our shit. <laughs> um, Yo, I, I don't know nuts. how that happened, <laughs> but yeah, so we, we played it a bunch and I remember really enjoying it. And obviously we're going to get into this more as we talk about, you know, all of the, the, the gameplay and, and mechanics and, and what have you. I think the biggest selling point really was just that it was something that my brother and I could play together and it was pretty low impact in that, you know, it's a, it's a very pick up and play kind of game. Um, so it's sort of, it sort of occupied the same like headspace for me as something like Mario Kart, where you could just pick it up, like play a set of races and then be done in, you know, like 15, 20 minutes or whatever. Um, which was perfect for us, really. But yeah, so I, I actually have a lot of experience with this game, which is not my usual like cup of tea. But for some reason, this game just really kind of clicked. So that's I mean, that's that's not surprising. I think especially if you're living up in the north. Like we did the northern United States and Canada and whatever. Yeah, a, a game like this is is probably going to speak better to you than where we live now here in Florida. I, I can't imagine snow beating snow, snow beating snowboarding being better <laughs> beat the shit like out of that snow thing down here beat that snow i mean we beat it so hard it doesn't even land on the ground ever <laughs> that's how hard we beat the yeah. snow and never it doesn't want to come back here no 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's probably true. Uh, I think the other part of it, at least for me, is that in some way, I think I was just like living vicariously through this game because I never actually snowboarded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I liked the idea of it. Like I, I wanted to, but I never actually did. So, so you know, I just let Ricky Winterborn or whatever the fuck his name is just do it for me. So. It's interesting you brought up Ricky Winterborn here because we're right about to get into the plot and the writing like there is any. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh huh. I, I wish I could just say skip it, but this, this is a podcast. We are professionals. That is we true. We live in a society. Yes. So I guess we got to. I don't know. I guess we can talk about the characters here, but I mean, that would be more gameplay. I'm looking at a copy of the manual right now so I can I can kind of talk to this. Oh, hey, there you go. And all this ridiculousness. So you have five characters. Yes. The first one, I guess the one that you, you get introduced to when you go to the character select screen is Kensuke Kimachi. And he is from Japan. And he is 19. Ja, how would I say it that way? Japan. He is from Japan. <laughs> and he is 19 years old. And he is well known in Japan for his snowboarding skills. Kensuke. Kens, Kensuke. Fuck. I can't talk either. Kensuke. 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 Kensuke joined the team because he wanted to be the best in the world. I didn't know there was a team. Okay. I was not aware uh, that it was a team cool. either. <laughs> no, because all you do is race against each other. Uh, then there's Akari Hayami, and Akari is new to the sport, but a hard worker. She's 17, also from Japan. Her technique and jumping ability could make her a valuable asset to the team. She's not. She's sure. trash. She is. She is hot trash. Yeah, sure. Uh, Still trash, though. Yeah. My favorite. He is the finger of the team. He is Dion Blaster. I think getting black. I'm sorry. He's the the finger. Well, he's a blaster. He's a no. Oh, Jesus. Blaster. Okay. Sure. Yeah. He is. All right. He is. He is from England. You know the the mountains of England, the snowboarding culture of England. And watch watch there actually be one. This yeah. That, there's come on now. Like why is he not Swiss or French or Italian? Anyway. I mean. Listen, man, I don't know. It was it was like the late mid to late 90s, like, you know, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch were getting big. Like it was we, we were all about the 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 British like underground, you know, so he's got to get repped there. Yeah, somewhere. Austin Powers. Yeah. yeah, sure. But Dion is one of the best overall snowboarders on the team. I think that's a lie, but all right, sure. <laughs> I they're all snowboarders that. There's no other snowboarders. There's no other team. So he's what the, this manual is telling me is that he's the best snowboarder. Okay. That, However, no. he doesn't excel when it comes to tricks. No, he does this not. This makes him impatient. No. Well, who cares about tricks? This makes him impatient and irrational at times. Yeah, his personality really reflects in the gameplay, I guess. Next is Rob Haywood. Hey. Rob joined the team through Ricky's father. I don't know why this matters. He's a skilled snowboarder. There's deep still has lore, a lot Chris. It's <laughs> the lore of the snowboarding game. <laughs> All right. Oh, by I the mean, way, to be fair, 20... this like story discussion segment has already gone on way longer than I thought it was going to. So I'm trying to do something here. I don't know what that is, but he's 20 and he's from the United States. And then we have Ricky Winterborn, who is the obligatory Canadian. And he is 14 and he is a cocky little sorry, kid. He's 14 he's 14 what the fuck okay yeah i i don't get it either uh but he's a cocky little kid according to the manual because you can tell you, you can't tell in the game 
Uh, that's probably because his dad founded this team. So he's a Nepo baby. Oh, God. Yeah. He's not strong. He has excellent trick technique. There you go. These five snowboarders have all joined together to become the best in the world and conquer Mount Legend. That's the story. I feel like somebody definitely got paid to write that and they shouldn't have. But all right. Yeah, sure. There you go. <laughs> no. Why does this matter? I don't care. You but know it's why? Fun. Because I had fun. This was in this was in the day when you still got instruction manuals with your games and they had to fill it with something. So yeah. there you go. They had to make like give these characters names. They just couldn't be uh Japanese dude. Uh Black British guy. I mean, they could Canadian. still have given them the names and not taken the time to give them these completely unnecessary backstories. They could have. They could have. I mean, to be fair, you know they, like I, uh, having played this game a bunch when I was younger, I do not remember any of this backstory whatsoever. So, take that for what you will. Because it doesn't fucking matter. That's why it doesn't. <laughs> that's why you don't remember it. You're right. Why did anyone get paid to do this? But I'm glad they did. I'm glad this exists. They went above and beyond. I think we've covered the story because there is none. It's a fucking sports game. Yep. There you go. Uh, and w- all I learned from this is now I think I like Ricky Winterbottom even less. Winterbottom. What? I don't. I'm not going to ask. Uh, <laughs> this means we're going to get into the gameplay. And now we're actually now we actually have something to talk about with this game. But what, what did what did you think about the gameplay here, man? Because I actually thought the gameplay, the actual gameplay itself was pretty phenomenal. Oh, yeah. No, this game controls fantastically well. Like I it's it's part of the reason that we ended up coming back to it so many times. Like, it, listen, there are a lot of sports games out there. Even at the time when this came out, there were there had already been a bunch and a lot of them are not good. <laughs> and a lot of that comes down to just absolute dog water controls like it's no fun to play well any game really but especially a a sports game and even beyond that an extreme sports game that has you know sketchy control schemes and so they really nailed it with this one there's there's one thing and i know that you're going to bring this up because i remember you mentioning it offline before Mm -hmm. we started started recording this episode I think honestly, the only thing that I think will probably throw a lot of people if you don't know, and since you have the manual in front of you, maybe you can see if it's somewhere in there, because I honestly don't remember, but it's how potentially touchy sticking the landings can be. There is a reason for that, and there's also a way that makes it way, way easier once you know what it is. Outside of that sort of little no nitpick i guess uh no i mean the gameplay is great i mean i think at the end of the day there's not a lot here right like the the game itself is not huge it's not like some weird fucking like open world snowboarding game it's it's very concise it's very focused it has like a handful of different modes you know you've got like time attack you've got the trick attack um, which are all both pretty self-explanatory you have what is basically the equivalent to like a Mario Kart Grand Prix where you've got like, you know, a set of five different tracks you run in succession. Although each one in this case is a little bit different. You've got like the slalom courses where you have to kind of get around flags to earn points and to earn more time to add to your clock so that you don't run out of time. And then you've got like the one big jump, right, that you try to do as many tricks as possible in, in one jump. 
and then you have the half pipe. So you've got that, then you've kind of got just like a free play, that kind of a deal. So there's not like a ton here, but I think what it does, it does really well. And the the core mechanic of this game is how well you can control, you know, your your snowboarder. And I actually think it does it extremely well. Now there are some things that end up detracting from that experience. But in a way, I kind of feel like that's part of the presentation discussion. So maybe I'll save it for that. I don't know. It it, it kind of could go either way, but I don't know. What what are what are your thoughts? You kind of already, I think, showed your hand, but yeah. you want to elaborate on that a little bit? I, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said and how the game actually controls. The the analog control itself, and I played this game on original hardware. I didn't play it on any of the virtual consoles. I played this on my N64 with the think is i think it's the retrobit tribute controller that looks like the old hori pad Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a great controller i didn't use the original n64 one but even that being said like everything just it feels so good just the racing now now doing the tricks kind of kind of sucks if you want to do anything beyond a 360 then it's just like this is fucking complicated and i fucking hate it okay wait a minute hold on no i want to pause there because i want to talk about that why 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 do why why what <laughs> why do why you do think what? it's bad okay so if you want to do anything beyond a 360 i i don't get it like the instruction manual tells you how to do everything so it says r plus 360 okay that's easy enough i get it i do a 360 sure and it says r 360 r r plus 360 plus b am i supposed to do this after i do the 360 am i supposed to chain into it i i tried doing everything it just didn't work or they get stuck or or they do another trick. Okay, so you're focusing on the one thing which is actually the most difficult no. thing to pull off, which is chaining, yes. chaining from a 360 up to potentially the full 1080. Yes, which is what I said. If you try to do anything more than the 360 on a spinning thing, like it sucks. Yeah, but okay, initially you said pulling off tricks sucks. That's not the only trick. There's like a ton of other but, ones. Well, okay, look. I just don't like pulling off. Tri- I don't like pulling off tricks in general. I just don't think it it really contributes anything, especially in racing mode. I understand in trick mode, that's the entire like concept of that thing. But even in contest mode, if you just go through the slalom and you don't do tricks and tricks will get you more points. But if you don't do tricks, you're going to be in much better shape than if you did do tricks. Mm, yes and no. Um, I mean, for the OK, so for the races. Yeah, absolutely. Don't. If anything, that's going to slow you down. Don't bother doing that. Like, just focus on going as fast as possible without wiping out like that. I totally get. Yeah. Hold down. Tuck the entire time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But no, I mean, like for for the other tracks, especially when you're doing like the the solo runs to get like the best times in order to, you know, like unlock the the other tracks and and all that good stuff like uh, tricks are actually a pretty important part of getting that high score and that and that's kind of like so that's sort of like the the difficulty curve of the game which honestly i think is done really well in that you can just go in and just do a a run right from start to finish and just don't focus on trying to do any jumps like just avoid all of the jumps do do none of that shit just from point a to point b and you can absolutely do that and you'll be fine but as you get more accustomed to the game, you get more comfortable with the controls. Like you go into the training mode and hit that half pipe in the freestyle section a few times and 
really learn how to successfully pull off those tricks, they actually become a really important part of boosting your score because the tricks themselves give you extra points, but the real like the real kicker, the the way to really get those extra points is to chain multiple like tricks together in a combo in one jump. Because for each each one of those, I think it's a bonus 500 points every time you chain an additional trick. So if you get really good at that, uh, you can not only maintain your speed throughout the run, but you can also start making a point of intentionally hitting a lot of those jump points, especially the ones that are set up to give you a bunch of extra air. And you can actually rack up a shit ton of points that way. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I, I don't like doing tricks. <laughs> okay, so you don't like like 50% of the game. Got it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like doing that. I, I will say. Do you like going... Tony Hawk? No, I don't like Tony Hawk. <laughs> I can't stand. I fucking can't stand Tony Hawk. Okay, that. Okay, I'm that, not a Tony that Hawk makes fan. sense then. <laughs> All right. No, I don't like it. That's the thing, though, with with this. Like when it comes to racing, I kind of wish there was something like that in Tony Hawk, because I do think that the racing mode here is really good. It's just very, very shallow. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the best way to describe the gameplay here overall. It's just there's not much to it. Once you get done with the races, it's just trying to see how high your score can get in the other modes or what have you, you know, like how fast you can get down these mountains or whether or not you can play a friend. That being said, like the controls themselves and how everything feels is like I, I had to like ask myself, has there been a like a snowboarding game I've played like even ones that I, I technically think are more fun with, with like maybe an SSX or an SSX tricky, which right. which are probably more fun just because there's more to them. Do they control as well as what you're getting here? I, I don't know. I don't think so, because this this feels perfect moving your your snowboarder around a map and this there's different environmental effects like you'll have ice or when you're going on a road or if you're going through deep snow and they affect your snowboarder in a way that is some like in a way that you would expect. Yeah. And there are some things I don't like the damage meter. Maybe it's because like the first time I played and started off, I started with the with the Japanese girl. What's her name? A, a Yumi. I just went through all their names. It's uh, Ayami Akari. Yeah. So I'm completely wrong. I combined her first and last name because her last name's Hayami. See, I, I, I memorize something like every time she landed, she would just go flying all over the map because her power is super low. But then when I went with Dion next, like I was going fast, I was controlling myself really well. And he was hitting almost all of his landings without taking any damage and then rolling around like a rag doll. So I saw that was more specific to the character. So, yeah, I mean, Akari is probably better for your tricks and getting your score up, mm -hmm. whereas someone like Dion is better for racing. And that's awesome. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I, and I can, too, although. Uh, so I, I almost feel like some of it, once you kind of figure out which ones are sort of the almost categorically best choices to make as far as like your snowboarder and also the snowboards. We haven't even gotten to that yet, but it almost feels like the other don't matter like at all. Like Akari sucks. Like, I'm sorry. Like she's terrible. Like the only thing she could be good for is, is literally just the half pipe or maybe like the, the big, the big air jump just to try to pull off a bunch of tricks because of how light she is, she's going to get more air than most of the other snowboarders. But outside of that, she's useless. And honestly, I found myself really just 
focusing mostly on Rob because he's one of the two most well-balanced snowboarders out of the out of the five default ones. I'll say that because there's some other things to talk about in a minute, but out of the five that you start with him and uh, who was the other one? Kensuke? Kensuke. Yeah. Yeah. Kensuke. Those two are arguably the best ones. Now uh, I will say finger blaster there. I think he's, he's definitely good for races because he's tanky and he's fast. And so like, if you don't, care about doing anything else he's pretty good at at knocking out those races but like as just overall best characters those other two are pretty much always top of the list and you can pretty much go and look anywhere there's discussions around 1080 and the the sentiment will be the same so i really just tend to gravitate towards both of those i think more often than not i usually end up sticking with rob just because he's basically has really great stats almost across the board. Uh, no pun intended. Mm. So yeah, so there's that. And then there's the snowboards. So you have this pretty, pretty sizable selection of snowboards as well. Like at least what, like 10, something like that, like eight or oh, 10. There's, a bunch. there's so many. Yeah. And it's, there doesn't need to be like there's eight. Okay. Eight. There you go. There doesn't even need to be eight. Honestly, I don't know why they even included different ones. Like you, it's almost unnecessary because they all have their own stats, right? Um, and their stats are, I guess, technically different than the stats that the snowboarders have, although they're sort of analogous. But the Tahoe 155 is not even a question the best board. Like, never use another board for anything. Like, if you look at them and you size them up one next to each other, categorically that is the best board because its stats are jacked and like you never are able to change the stats of boards or snowboarders which honestly is something i i wish this game had like i wish that you yeah, could wave race did that right you could change your stats and and edit your your racers and wave race by default yeah it's weird it is weird and i don't know if it was just like i'm not gonna say it's a technical limitation because fucking wave race did it so maybe it's a time constraint i don't know but It is one of the things that I really wish this game had because I wish that there was something that would reward you for playing the game more or or even more specifically playing with a certain snowboarder and snowboard more than others. Like, I mean, as much as I don't necessarily like shoehorning RPG elements into literally everything like we do now. I actually think this game would have benefited from that a little bit. Like, even if it's just a very basic, like, XP system where you gain X amount of points for completing races and then you can spend those to, like, upgrade your stats or something. Like, I think that would have been really cool. However, it doesn't have that. So the choice is nice, but it's almost like an illusion of choice because literally none of the other snowboards even matter, which is strange. Now, according to the manual, Shane, yeah, sure, Mm -hmm. it says that high numbers don't necessarily mean one board is better than another. That's bullshit. It all (laughs) all depends on the character you choose. That's also bullshit. That's complete bullshit. I yeah, I kind of figured like, hey, all the stats on this Merlot one forty three kind of suck, but you know what? It might not be better than the one that has max stats. Yeah. Yeah, what? No, no, no. 
I mean, I, I feel what? like there was an attempt here, right, on some of that stuff. And but I, I kind of feel like it's almost half baked, especially given that we already know that these things can totally be done well in other titles, even the one that is considered the spiritual predecessor to this game. So to the point where, like, uh, the more I think about it, especially after having gone back and played this again for the show, I feel like this game is a really great, like, tech demo almost, you know, like it has the bare minimum to be like a competent, like well-constructed, mechanically sound game but it's just not fleshed out enough. Like I really wish that someone would have taken this and just like built on it and just added more content, more like customizability, just really flesh it out more because I think it could have been even better than it is now. You know what I mean? No, totally. Because like even in the race mode, which is the preferred way I like to play these kind of games. And I do think it's what's there is really good. Each race mode is is so basic. There's was you start out with four races, then five races, and six races, mm-hmm. and that's normal, hard, and expert, and that's all what you get for racing. And you might be thinking, oh, these are different circuits. You're going to get different courses, kind of, but no, because normal, yeah, th- those are the first four courses, but those first four courses are going to be the first four in every single difficulty, and then hard, you'll just get an extra one. And then expert, you'll just get an extra track. So yeah, there's six total tracks. That's nothing. Like if you go to a Mario Kart and you go through that circuit, like every single Mario Kart circuit is going to have different race tracks you're going to go down to that has a lot of variety. And there's points systems that you do when you get done with the race. It's not like this here. It's either you win or you don't because you only compete against one other snowboarder. Mm-hmm. And that's that's somewhat disappointing. Like, could you imagine if they had more snowboarders or they had all five of them out at once? If this is the spiritual successor to Wave Race, they should have gone further than what Wave Race did. But in many ways, it feels like a regression Mm -hmm. because in Wave Race, you had four characters out at once in every single race. And I the other thing is in the different difficulties. Yes, you raced the same tracks and maybe you would have an additional race or two in wave race. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think you had additional courses, but the way those courses would play out in their environments and how they would alter from difficulty to difficulty was more noticeable than it is here in 1080 to keep that freshness up a little bit. I think you're right. I wouldn't call it a tech demo. I think it's a little beyond that. This is almost like a proof of concept mm. that it can be something more because and we're getting this in graphics like it's a good looking game and it controls really well, but it's not like the best looking game. Like, what is it really showing off, in my opinion? And that's that's I mean, semantics, right? But there's definitely all the elements of a fantastic game here. There's just not much here unless I guess you have a friend. Yeah. And if you don't, you're you're just, you know, beating a scorecard. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's interesting, too, because you, you bring up the the point of having like you know, multiple opponents a la Wave Race 64. I mean, I guess I'll just get into it here because it it impacts gameplay, but like this game couldn't handle that. It already has a ton of slowdown and that's that's even without an opponent, right? Like just playing by yourself, doing solo runs. uh, And and remember in in a (laughs) 
unusual turn of events. I actually played this on original hardware. I don't usually do that, but there are a lot of instances on most, if not all of the tracks where you will encounter seriously noticeable frame rate drops for things that honestly really shouldn't do that. Especially what they managed to pull off with something like Wave Race 64, having multiple opponents on screen, having all the water effects, blah, 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 blah. But this game, I feel like it's not very well optimized because things like the snow effect, like the snow falling and stuff like that, will totally slow you down, especially when you hit deep snow and you get kind of the snow puffs popping up from you hitting that deep snow. Uh, you get serious frame drops and it can affect your runs because it feels like you're going at a snail's pace and it kind of throws you off because when the game catches back up again it's like oh okay we're going fast again so there are several instances of that so i don't even think this game could handle having more than at most two players on screen at any time um the funny thing is and i didn't even test this out i, I would have to go and look again because i have a feeling that the multiplayer would probably be even worse. And of course, when we were younger, we didn't really give a shit about this. You know, I was like, whatever, this is how no. this is how games are. So it's fine. But thinking about it now, if it slows down that much just with a single player, I would um, I have to assume that playing in split screen would probably make that even worse. Unless they severely reduce the the environmental effects and reduce the amount of polygons and in the environment or whatever right yeah that that would only that would have to be the way they did it and i didn't play with anyone on original hardware so i don't know what it would look like i too played it on original hardware and you're right when it is snowing and those graphical effects are in there it makes me wonder if they should have done that and but again you're you're right i mean these are the same people this is the same team essentially miyamoto headed up wave race 64 he was in in charge of this so if it's not well optimized, you know, why not? You had the people with the knowledge to, to bring forward into the, you know, quote, next game. And in that sense, it feels like a big missed opportunity that they weren't able to do all of the things that game was except on snowboarding. And so that's that's sad. Like, I wish there was at least three other racers racing with you at all times or just just doing something like that, because I think that would have enhanced the actual game or maybe two different track circuits so that that freshness is always going and you can get more tracks than just six. I think there's probably more for tricks and stuff like that. I get that. But in terms of racing, there should at least be be 12. What did Mario Kart 64 have like 16, something like that? Yeah, maybe more. I can't I don't know off the top of my head, but it had more than six Had way more than six. And a, a bigger variety of racers, I understand they were sprites and not polygons. I, I know they, they used a different technique for that. But you still had a lot of, a lot of the same people who knew what they could have done. And I, I know we're bleeding into graphics a lot here, but I, I do think it affects the gameplay. Now, no, I am curious. I mean, I know we're ripping on it here. I, I, I still want to stand by the fact that these controls are, are phenomenal mm -hmm. yeah. uh, in terms of actually controlling your snowboarder. And... Yes, executing tricks are, are not that bad when you're using the analog stick and the B button. It's not bad at all. But where I am curious, uh, you were saying that uh, the, the balancing out of the gravity, which it does mention in the manual, it doesn't say why it's so finicky, 
but it does ma- say that you have to manage how you land. You said there is a reason for that. W- what were you going to say on that? Well, I mean, the reason is that they were trying to go for like a tinge of realism here as far as like trying to land a snowboard. But the method to which you make that a lot less of a pain in the ass is the thing that I wanted to to bring up. OK, I- I'm actually surprised if they don't mention it in the manual because it feels like something that they really should. But the trick to that is every time you take a jump right before you land other than having to angle your snowboarder in such a way that you basically want to try to get the snowboard uh at the same angle as the snow that you're landing on right so that's step one that's not too hard so as long as you can angle yourself correctly and there's there's some wiggle room there so it's not too bad but the thing that keeps you from just constantly taking a fucking dive all the time is like right before you hit the ground, just tap the tap the trigger button, the Z button. Yeah, it says that it tells you to do that. OK, good. Yeah. Well, that's it. I had forgotten that, honestly. And so when I had started playing this again, I was like getting really frustrated because I would basically bail on like 95 percent of the jumps I was trying to take. And I was like. I do not remember this sucking that much. (laughs) And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, right. And as soon as I remembered that, the next run I did, I was like, okay, this feels like a thousand times better. So you can start getting really good at timing that. And there's actually, it's pretty forgiving as far as like the window of opportunity for hitting that to make it so that you land well. The fun one though is when you hit those sections on the tracks where it has like the, the run of like moguls. Cause you can just like, just tap, just keep tapping that like crouch button and you'll just like bounce your way through those moguls without like falling over or anything. So that's actually the, the big one. You're talking about the moguls are those little humps. Yes. Yeah. I just tried to avoid them, (laughs) especially when I was one of the lighter characters with, with finger blaster, it doesn't matter too much. Yeah. Well, again, like I said, I I would never do any of those runs with what's, what's her name? Akari. Akari. Yeah, I, I wouldn't no, do that. I was about to come on this show and just say how much this game sucked because that was the first character I used. <laughs> and she just she went flying all over the fucking place, man. Like every little bump. Yeah, she gets knocked over by a stiff breeze. Like it's yeah, it's not great. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. It cannot be like this. And I picked a different character. I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah. OK. We're, we're doing it now. This is fun. Then I realized, yeah, the controls are are really fucking good. I didn't know you're supposed to tap it. I thought you're supposed to hold it. So maybe I should go back and give that a try. Maybe some of these races would go even smoother. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Before we move on to the the rest of the the categories here, which honestly I think are going to be much, much shorter discussions, but a couple of things to note that I wanted to make sure that we brought up. So you were talking a little bit earlier about how you wish that there was more variety in tracks. And I, I agree. But at the very least in the game's defense, the tracks that are there do have a number of like shortcuts and little secrets that you can find. So that's a nice touch. There are, if you can find them, you can actually pretty significantly cut down on your run times because a lot of the shortcuts are quite literally shortcuts. Um, and they're like areas of the track that you wouldn't otherwise necessarily see like, you know, sometimes you end up going through like a little cave or whatever. So there are those little touches there, which I think are nice. It's not the same as having twice as many actual tracks. That would be cool, but at least it does, you know, have that. 
Um, and then there was the other part. I don't know if you were aware of this at all, but did you know about like the additional snowboarders? Do you know anything about that? I've heard about them. I've seen some people in our Discord comments about how there's a panda. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's, I, I, I'm hesitant to say, well, no, I guess technically some of them are unlockable. It's sort of like this obfuscated method of actually getting them and it it's sort of a chain almost because you can't get most of the like secret border uh, snowboarders without first knowing how to get the first one and the first one is sort of like locked behind knowing to do a certain button combination while you're looking at a certain snowboarder in the character select screen wait what yeah yeah it's maybe not the greatest way to unlock them i'm not gonna lie so so you start off right with the um the i guess we could call him the crystal border i've seen some people call him the ice man also but in order to unlock him you have to select akari on the options screen and then uh you have to like zoom in so you can see her stats right and then after you've done that you uh press and hold the left c button and then press a and if you did it right then her picture changes to a crystal head and then you go and select your board and comparatively even just that guy like the the crystal guy or whatever like demonstrably better than pretty much any of the other snowboarders like you can pretty much wreck expert mode with him but if you want to keep going with that then there's like two other ones you can unlock plus an additional secret board actually so in order to get the next guy which is a a metal border he's he's actually gold he's so he's a he's a gold snowboarder uh you have to i guess beat everything in expert with the crystal border so you have to like get the high scores on everything in expert mode with the crystal guy and then you don't just get him oh no you have to then go to kensuke and when his stats come up hold the up c button and press a and then the gold head huh. picture will show up. And then the last but not least, the the fabled panda, who also, by the way, comes with his own exclusive set of tricks that nobody else can do. Which is kind of cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. But you have to beat every single top score in time attack, trick attack, and contest mode. You have to have every track available, beat them all on expert mode, and then select Rob Haywood. And then when his stats come up, you hold the right C button and press A, and then you will get the panda. So fairly well hidden. <laughs> I will say that I, I never actually played as any of these characters back when we were playing as kids, because I had no idea that you could do that. Yeah. How would you know? How would you, how would you know? I don't know. I think it's kind of strange, too, that like you end up having almost half the amount of snowboarders that are you know available by default locked behind this like esoteric thing that like n nobody would just like intuitively know to do i mean it's not important so it's, it's nice not. to have these old things but it's it's not but i mean no. it, it, it's this like extra cool stuff that like i would imagine the majority of people probably never saw and the fact that like probably not the panda has like his own set of like tricks that nobody else can do right yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to just get a panda because they did that with the dolphin in Wave Race. I know I'm saying Wave Race a lot, but this game demanded it. It made a point to demand it. It picked it. <laughs> it's not my fault. Right. But 
I mean, I think the dolphin, I mean, even that's that's kind of obscure, but it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think you can actually race with the dolphin. I could be wrong, but yeah. I mean, once you get once you do all the things for the panda, you've pretty much conquered the game anyway, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, and so I guess you could argue that you know, even even playing by yourself, there's at least still something that you can try to work towards as far as you know, beating everything on expert and unlocking this stuff. But again, it's it'd be one thing if it was just like a reward for doing that. Like you do all this stuff and you're like, hey, you got the Iceman border now. Congrats. But like having to do that extra step of knowing that you have to select a certain character and then input a certain button combo feels kind of weird but yeah oh one more thing before we move on Mm. from me i appreciate the fact that when you're racing against the cpu the cpu can fucking eat shit as well (laughs) like yeah i i can't tell you how many times i'm racing towards the end and we're neck and neck and then the cpu decides to go up a ramp do a trick and then just fucking eat snow just totally fucking die and i'm just like okay bye (laughs) speed right past him I love that. I love the fact that the racers aren't infallible, which is, again, something that was from Wave Race, but not something you would find in a Mario Kart. So I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely appreciate the lack of shitty rubber banding. Yeah. I mean, there was times when they would just be faster than you to be faster than you. I'm like, this sucks. Right. But like they will fuck up and I love it. All right. Are we ready to move on to to the graphics? Because we've already kind of talked about it quite a bit. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, yeah, this we've already said this this game looks good, but there's there's quite a bit of slowdown when it wants to get on the environmental effects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fine. Like, I, <laughs> I wouldn't even say that this is necessarily and I don't know, I might be way off base, but I, I don't think this is, this game is like a showcase of the N64's capabilities or anything. Like, I think it's no it's fine but you know it kind of is what it is remember when i said i wasn't impressed by beetle adventure racing yeah i take that back okay (laughs) this game like the character models look great for the time for the time yeah but like the actual environments themselves they look very nintendo 64 ish in the worst kind of way Mm -hmm. very muddy textures especially when you get up close, it's very evident that this, that things in the environment other than snow that they tried to render were like at the, the very lowest list of priorities. Mm-hmm. Like it did not matter. Like you're just supposed to go past it. Like there's cars and like all the texture doesn't look too good. And the models themselves don't look great. Or they have stop signs that don't look perfect. And the roads aren't like smooth. It does. It just doesn't look great. Uh, if you like really sit there and take a look at things and that's because, yeah, the character models and the boards and everything that's going on, they look really good and and the snow looks really good. And there are elements that look that look fine for an N64 game, but there's just so much there that if you want to take a look at it, you're you're going to be like, oh, <laughs> this is definitely from a different time. There's there's no warm blanket here. No, no. Although you, you do bring up a good point that I hadn't really thought about, but you're right that the, the character models themselves are actually really good for this time because the, the thing that immediately popped into my mind was like golden eye. <laughs> right. Cause I was like, comparatively yeah. you look at like a golden eye, like soldier, and then you compare them to like, you know, any of the snowboarders in this and it's like night and day. Yeah. 
Other than that, it looks like they took my recommendation when it's not snow and then started doing diarrhea snowboarding sport <laughs> over a lot of parts of the environment. That's that's kind of how I how I feel about it. But I think like what we said in the brief history, they're using a technique called skinning, which I don't know enough about. But if that's what made the character models look so, so much more fluid, then then good on them, because I, I do think they look great. Another part, it just looks like N64 games. You know, there's fire in, in one of the levels and you're you know snowboarding through flames and going through circles like that. That looks fine, especially when you're higher up. It's probably because they have to have a lower polygon count. Right. And so, again, for an N64 game, I have to keep on saying for an N64 game, because like immediately after this generation, if it wasn't bright and colorful and this game is not, this game is not bright and colorful. I, I kind of wish it was. I mean, it can be, but for the most part, it's. It doesn't have that big blue sky feel to it that you get again in Wave Race mm-hmm. or in like a Daytona USA. I'll get away from Wave Race for a second, but like a Daytona USA or even a Mario Kart, it doesn't have that really bright, big blue sky feel to it. And so I, I think it suffers a little bit in that department as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah. I, I think given the, the very like, narrow focus that this game has i mean i think it was smart to really put seemingly a lot of like the the resources into making sure that your actual snowboarders look good because i think they do but yeah beyond that honestly the the rest of it is kind of unremarkable like it's not bad it's just it, it's just kind of there right yeah it it totally is i do like there is differences in the variations for your environments and you can clearly tell what those are sure and that does yeah. lead to some good track design. But I think another part of that, too, and I know this kind of bleeds over to the gameplay and I'll do it because we bled to the graphics so much. Sometimes I didn't know if where I was going was part of the track or not. Uh, like well, it, yes, I think maybe it, it, to play devil's advocate, I will say that one of the game's strengths actually is that you don't even necessarily have to stay on the track. Like if you're. If you're getting real good with that, like Z button tap shenanigans, you actually can like bounce your dumb ass, like right off of like some of the sidewalls and things like that without falling over. So like you, you can yeah. actually kind of go off track and in most cases still be fine, which I think is to the game's credit. Like you're not, it's not like a, you know, uh, a racing, like a car racing game where like if you stray off of the predetermined track whatsoever, you just like spin out or something. Right. Right. I mean, usually you're going to find your way to where you need to go. Yeah. So it's not that big of a deal. But the one part that it really did bother me was when you're in those caves. Oh, yeah. And you have to you do have to make choices and turns and stuff. And sometimes like the the depth perception had me running into a wall, mm-hmm. which is a massive damage dealer. And I couldn't tell that that was a wall. I thought it was further down into the cave. Uh, just, just the way it was rendered, it just didn't sit well with me. But these aren't like criticisms that aren't typical of that time. These are things that almost every game was guilty of. So in terms of like, if you want to compare it to its competition, if you want to compare it to its contemporaries, this is this is still a really solid effort. I mean, it's a Nintendo game after all. That's that's what to be expected. So I don't want to shit on it too hard because it's still better than like a lot of games of that time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I think I think that's it, right? Did we have anything else that we wanted to cover? I think so. <laughs> Not okay. really. It, yeah. It's it's a fine looking game. 
Now let's get into this music. Hell yeah. I want to find, I want to find the lyrics. Oh God. You know what's funny is that who, who was it that posted it in our discord for, for the lyrics? This guy, Mara. Okay. I'm looking it up right now. What's hilarious about that is there's no way on God's green earth that anybody would know that those are the words. The, the, no. the voice sample for the intro track is so fucking like compressed and like processed that I had, n- I, I would never know what he was saying. No. Uh, and here, here's what they are, by the way, dear listeners, you might, you might want to find this dude who wrote these lyrics and, <laughs> um, He's either crying for help or he murdered his neighbors. Uh, but you'll understand when I go through this. So here, here's the lyrics. Look out. What is it? I don't know how the song goes. So I'm not going to sing it. Who did it? What is it? But who's to blame? This is starting to sound like something from Metal Gear Rising. <laughs> Would you look at me right now, please? I need you to tell me I'm a man. <laughs> you got to get me out of here. I want more life so I can feel. What is it? Who did it? What is it? But who's to blame? We all wanted this joy of the moment. It will be for nothing. So what? I don't care for it. We take vacant eyes. We take vacant words. We take vacant minds. We take vacant lives. Ten! snowboarding (laughs) i oh god i i don't what the fuck even are these lyrics like what how it sounds like somebody took like just the most basic ass like butt rock lyrics and ran them through google translate like i don't even this is like this is like if somebody tried to write a drowning pool song without having a good grasp of the english language i mean you might be onto something <laughs> which may be exactly what happened i don't know oh my god uh but aside from that since you can't understand what's going on with with the lyrics i will have to say that i i don't think the music's are the music is true bangers they're good it's it's a good soundtrack it's not a bad soundtrack at all it's i i think it's quite well put together oh yeah no it's i i i I really like the soundtrack um even i mean we're kind of shitting on it but i mean like even even the intro song it's pretty hype like it it, you're never gonna know that that's what is being said so just throw throw that out the window and just listen to the actual like instruments in the song and it's it, it gets you hype so it, it does its job well. Um, it's it's a pretty strong opener uh, for a game, and and yeah, like the the actual tracks for the the different like uh, different runs that you go through and everything are are all pretty solid. There's one in particular, and I can't remember if it's the was it like Golden Forest or whatever it is. Maybe it's that one, but there's one that like sounds suspiciously like like a Castlevania track almost, which is kind of weird. I think it's really that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just the the choice of like synth instruments that they used. It just feels very similar to like a Castlevania jam, but mm. that might just be me. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't apart from that, I don't think there's a ton to say. Like, I, I think the, the soundtrack itself is good. Um, It's not necessarily something I'd listen to, like on its own. 
like just as like background music or anything. No, but it it does its job and it does it really well. It is very of the time. So there's that. I don't know. What are your thoughts about the sound design? I think it's mostly like fine. I don't think there's anything that like is a super standout for me. Uh, the thing that stood out is to me, the only thing I'll really comment on here because everything else is just pretty good. The sounds make the sounds you expect them to say, which is good sound design. I like how the how the snowboarders sound when they thud against the ground when they land. I think that sounds good. I like the the small voice samples. They're not outstanding. They do exist. And I like how they're varied from character to character. And I like that they have them. Uh, but what I, what does stand out amongst all of that is how the sound will change depending on the terrain they're on. Mm. So if they're on normal snow, it'll, it'll sound like normal snow. If they're going through deep snow, you get a different sound if you're going through deep snow or normal one. And then if you're going through ice, it will even have a different sound than what you're going through if you're on a road. So all those sounds are different and they they will let you know that you're on a different terrain, which will affect your control. So if you're ever curious as to how what kind of terrain you're going to be on to help your your character move, of course, and how they will control. Knowing that is is extremely important and having that sound design be be so exact on where you are at greatly helps out the player. So, yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I guess. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just spoiled from all these years of video games that I don't even really think about that. I guess it's just like a given. But I mean, when it's done well, I suppose it should be commended. And I think this game does do it very well. So, yeah, it's a good call out. Yeah, it's not grading and they have different varieties and every single time you're on different ones it it does sound different now yeah that's happened since the dawn of time and you're right i mean we do take it for granted but it does it 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 executes it well and i just wanted to have something to say more than it could (laughs) (laughs) that's fair i mean if it was the other way around and it was bad we would absolutely take the opportunity to shit on it so i guess you know probably ought to yeah point it out when it's done well so there you go give it credit where credit is due i i guess i should let me see who composed this because i gave it an odd world i'm going to see who the the sound designers are and give them their credit <laughs> because it didn't suck and just letting people know who who composed the music and make sure they're not on a watch list uh so uh, the composer <laughs> is is kenta nagata and i don't know who designed the sound but the composer is kenta nagata i should have looked this up in moby games but there you go all right maybe it's tommy hilfiger the like the pose they're wearing Oh God, that totally, I mean, it's related, but not necessarily anything to do with the game specifically, but, uh, just you mentioned that. And so I feel like I should point out that I found it hilarious that reading through a, a game fact for this from like 1998 or 99 or something, uh, at the very bottom of it, the person that wrote it was just like doing their little thing where they're like, thanks to this person. And thanks to Nintendo for making this game. And then there was also like, Thanks to Tommy Hilfiger makes the best clothes in the world XD. And I was just like, Oh God. Yep. This was definitely (laughs) that time. (laughs) I haven't seen Tommy Hilfiger in a long time, but it definitely was that thing. Well, I don't know, Chris, what do you think? You think it's time for some, uh, some pontifications? I I do believe it is. Mm. It is time for the pontifications. And you might be wondering to yourself, what is our patron pontifications because this might be your first episode so our patron pontifications is where our patrons who sign up over at patreon pretty sure they that you have probably already figured this out but they come over to our discord which i highly encourage you to join it's free for everybody 
but there's a section for them and it's called patron pontifications and they give their thoughts on an upcoming game usually the next game and we give them a deadline and then they write something and we read it here on the show for you so i will begin this off with one of our patrons these are all patrons by the way this is from soha and soha says i really like that part of the game where your character says it's 1080 snowboarding time and 1080 snowboards all over the mountain. Then the credits roll and your characters become the 1080 snowboarding. Great game, fun times. <laughs> Tell me you've never played 1080 snowboarding without telling me you've never played 1080 snowboarding. <laughs> I mean, thanks, Soha. That was very insightful. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad that we could. I'm glad that we could discuss this this game that brought back those. Memories. Okay, you know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Like. Uh, this, this time around, the patrons just did nothing but shit post for the pontifications. <laughs> so, uh, and we will read them. We will. We, we said we'd do it. So here we are. Uh, speaking of, uh, Keith from the main quest podcast says 1080 snowboarding and snowboarding as an extreme sport were really cool until Tony Hawk came along and gave it a finger flip. And told it to pop shove it and made skateboarding the de facto extreme sport and game series. That is accurate. Next is Discimera from Game Over Hell, which is a YouTube channel. And Discimera says, Ricky Winter That's the quote. Ah, uh, Ricky Winterborn, the new dick dragon. Yes, he's 14 years old and a Nepo baby. <laughs> I also really love that I absolutely was calling him Winterbottom and I was not doing that on purpose because I legit thought that was his last name. <laughs> I thought you were. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Ricky Winterbottom. That sounds right. Let's go with that. Yeah. Winterbottom. It has. He has one frozen ass. That's right. Got that frost, frost bite right on the cheeks. His asshole is in the shape of a snowflake. <laughs> it's not, it's not a starfish. It's a snowflake. Oh God. Hey, remember when we said he was 14? Anyway, uh, moving on. I'm not taking it that way. I'm just <laughs> saying it's a birth defect. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, actually, that that is the sole reason that he wanted to aspire to be a snowboarder. He was just like, it is my destiny. It's my destiny. Sorry. My my assholes in the shape of a snowflake. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, so the last one, uh, last but certainly not least, is Masked Keaton, our high score master. And he says, I'm sorry, I never played that one. I can't pontificate anything. And you know what? That's valid. That, that's totally valid, but we appreciate your input anyway. I think I think that's that's probably more valid. One of probably the one of the more valid ones today. Oh, thank you, really? patrons. What about that time where your character says it's 1080 snowboarding time? That was my favorite. <laughs> you know what? It should. Why doesn't it? They he's, really should have just pushed the perfect version of this game. <laughs> so they really should have just pushed the Nintendo connection and just had Ricky just be like, "It's me, Ricky Winterborn." 
Why is why is Charles Martinet in here? Well, he's the new guy. Yeah. We gotta we gotta see if he can voice Ricky Winterborn. <laughs> it's like that's all he does. That's the only thing he knows. It's like, all right, he's a 14-year-old yeah. Canadian snowboarder. Martinet's just like, okay. Like, no, don't, don't, okay, fine. Just I'm gonna do a Canadian and get it a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna pull a 360 and walk away. That's that's not how 360s work, Charles. Uh, oh boy. All right, fine. Uh, anyway, you guys like when we get to the point in a show <laughs> where we have nothing else to talk about and we just start getting stupid? Isn't that great? Uh, but hey, speaking of, um, I guess it's the end of the show, right? I guess we should probably talk about like what what we think, whether whether this holds up today or not. I feel like it's a little bit of a foregone conclusion, maybe, but let's let's do it. Sure. You want me to go first? Or you want to go first? Uh, you know what? I'll go first. That's fine. Does 1080 okay. snowboarding hold up today? Yes, it does. It's still fun. It controls really well. Uh, I mean, you can get a physical copy for like 10 bucks. So e- even yeah. if you're not going to go the emulating route and actually, you know what? In, in a rare turn of events, I would actually say this is one of those games where I would discourage you from emulating it because I feel like you are going to do yourself a disservice by attempting to play this with something that is not original hardware. Like this game was developed to be played on an N64 with their weird ass Trident controller and that analog stick and it feels real good to play this game with an N64 controller and I tried playing this on emulation just for a point of comparison and to me it does not feel the same so it's it's relatively inexpensive it's not like terribly hard to find like I found my copy on eBay no problem and I paid $10 plus like shipping or whatever so it's definitely worth checking out especially if you're if you're into snowboarding or extreme sports or, you know, if you just never got a chance to try this out back in the day or or even if you're just like interested in it now because you've listened to us pontificate about it for like an hour and a half, surprisingly, then you know what? Yeah. Uh, check it out. Yeah, I, I think it's still actually a lot of fun. I would say you're going to get the best bang for your buck if you just go old school and find a friend to come over and just do some good old couch co-op. Well, I won't say couch co-op y'all be racing against each other but just some couch play racing. you know that's that's going to be the best 1080 experience all right i am going to say no really and yes i'm going to say no and not because i think the game's bad mm-hmm. i don't think it's a bad game but when it when it comes to brass tacks it's just it's really shallow. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to play this game for about an hour and then maybe an hour. Maybe you might play this game for 30 minutes and that you'll get everything you want out of it. Then you'll be on your way. And I when I put it down, I didn't feel any inclination to go back to it. I didn't I didn't want to. There wasn't a need like I didn't have a ton of fun. Like I could recognize that there was so much good about this game. But it just needed more. It just felt so bare bones. It felt empty. It felt starved. And I, I can't possibly say that this game holds up when SSX exists. So it's not that this game is bad, but if it if it, you're looking for something for more than a day, and when I say more than a day, more than an hour, 
this is not the game you're going to get. And this isn't a game that I found myself wanting to go back to. So I, I'm going to have to say no. And this isn't like an angry no. I did have fun with the time I had with it. So I guess you could say, well, technically, yes, because you had fun. But it's it's not something that I'm like craving to go back to. And I, I know I've gotten those experiences out of other snowboarding games. I know they exist. And that's something I would probably want to play instead. So, yeah, there you go. All right. There you go. The uh, the, the I think the the unusual split decision. I don't think we do that yeah. quite as often. So there you have it. Well, I guess at that point, it's uh, it's really up to you, you know, whether you want to check it out or not. So you've heard both sides. We report, you decide. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But don't take my word for it. Anyway, uh, so that brings us to a close. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, you know, we, we, we did this one because it's, you know, thematically appropriate. Well, for, I guess, a lot of other places in the world here in Florida, we, we don't know what snow is. Um, but, you know, we've heard we've heard legends. Yeah. We've heard tell. So there you have it. Uh, and if you enjoyed this one and it's your first time here, then uh, that's awesome. We're glad to have you. We hope you'll stick around for a little bit longer. Uh, we also have a a fairly chunky backlog for you to go check out if you haven't done that already. And that, along with all of our other stuff, whether that is our socials, our YouTube channel, where we have video versions of these episodes, as well as uh, our uploads of our gameplay over at Twitch, with Chris will fill you in on in just a moment. Or if you'd like to support the show by becoming a patron or perhaps picking up yourself a a sweet shirt or, you know, a, a mug or a sticker uh, over at our merch store, which, by the way, because it is uh, tis the season for rampant, unchecked capitalism, uh, if you are looking to Ray. buy some some stuff uh, to give to people in your life, then what better things than shirts with logos for a podcast they've never heard of? So please go <laughs> and check out the merch store. At any rate, all of these things are in one convenient place for you. You just got to head over to our link tree, which happens to be linktree slash retro hangover, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash retro hangover. And as I said, Chris, uh, what do we do for the peoples? What what performances do we put on over on the Twitch television? Well, as a rampant, unchecked capitalist, you can come. And check us out on Twitch where we don't make any money. Sure don't. So go to Twitch. No, go to twitch.tv slash retro hangover. There's no ads there because we're too lazy to set up our affiliate account. So just go to twitch.tv slash retro hangover and join us at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays. We'll be playing something. I don't know what that is, but you will know when you show up and you give us a follow over there because it will pop up in your notification feed on whatever device you get notifications on if they're on but whatever it's twitch.tv slash retro hangover sunday 9 p.m eastern time u.s be there if you have nothing better to do we look forward for you being there great community back to you shane we always do a wonderful job of of selling ourselves it's, it's great i that's that's the capitalist of me shane it is I, yeah can't help it can't help it <laughs> ah the invisible hand of the market or something. There it is. I don't know. I heard that once. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> if 
Yeah, I love invisible hands. Uh, I mean, you just sit on your hand long enough and it feels like somebody else. But before we go off and say until next time, we have a very special announcement for all of you, especially if you were fans of a side series that came out. Well, this is the third time uh, because the King of Games is coming back. You've seen us in the King of Games 2000, the King of Games 92, and it is returning with the King of Games 19. 96 and you'll be able to get the king of games exclusively on patreon starting january 2nd this will be available to every patron at every tier starting at the one dollar level and it will be exclusive to patreon throughout the initial run of the series it will be on the main feed it'll be exactly how we did it last time but patrons will have exclusive access all the way from start to finish so if you want to hear more action from the year of 1996, we have a great group of games. We have a great group of panelists, friends of the show, content creators all over the Internet. You've heard them on the show. You know them. You love them. It's going to be a great time. Join us for another fun year in 1996 for the King of Games. Hail to the king, baby. Not except that game. Fuck that game. <laughs> well, you'll find out. Spoilers. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Well. I guess with all of that being said, until next time. Play with your my asshole is shaped like a snowflake joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee, and Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space, or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four-ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in headfirst with full 12-ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash rhpbones. That's b-i-t dot l-y slash r-h-p-b-o-n-e-s.